0: Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Branch Life Church online. I'm Josh, one of the pastors here at Branch Life, and today we're wrapping up our Reintroducing Jesus series. And if you missed one of these talks, you can catch up anytime at our Branch Life church page or on our YouTube channel. We're plowing ahead with our Matthew series all through 2021. We're studying the book of Matthew, starting at the very first verse and going through uh, the entire book together. You can get a hold of our Matthew journal and follow along as we jump from series to series throughout this entire book. We're also excited that next week we'll be celebrating Easter together. So you're invited to join us, whether it's online or in person, for our very first worship service at our brand new worship center, just south of La Town at our Pewtown campus. We'd love for you to join us and invite others to do the same. You can go to branchlife.church slash Easter, where you'll find all the information. We are offering three options for our in-person worship service starting this Easter and then beyond. So we're excited to do that together. Thank you so much to everyone who has prayed, who has served, who's given financially to help us get to this point. And we are thrilled about what God is doing and and how he is moving in our church and in our community. Also next week, we'll be celebrating several baptisms. We're going to record those and have them available on our online service as well. So get ready to cheer loudly no matter how you are worshiping with us. We hope that today will be an encouragement to you as we continue on and wrap up this Reintroducing Jesus series. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. May God bless you and we hope that today will be a challenge to you. All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to move forward with this series today. As we said before, we hope that this will be an encouragement to you as we wrap out this section of Matthew and this particular Reintroducing Jesus series. Hey, just this week I had something happen that reminded me how old I am. I didn't think I was this old yet, but apparently we're old enough to be worried about our friends breaking their hips. The best man in my wedding called up this week and he fell while roller skating and he broke his hip. He was taken right to the hospital and he had surgery. He had rods put in through his hip bone going down into his leg, screws in above his knee, and he is now got eight to 10 weeks of rehab in front of him. The doctor said to my friend after the surgery was over, hey, don't worry, man, I just did this surgery on an 86-year-old woman. So apparently we're getting to that age where we've got to be a little bit more concerned about falling and fracturing our hips. I didn't think I was old enough for that to happen yet. As I've been talking to my friend and we've been talking about how he was doing and how he's been recovering, I've been asking him how his pain levels were, and he's been in some serious pain. His fracture is so bad and the surgery was so involved that even a week after the fall and a week after the surgery, he can't move his leg without assistance from somebody else. The pain is that great. We talked about what he was going through and and, and why we think, you know, God had this in his plan for my friend. And he said that God had been teaching him a lot of things and that there is purpose to this pain. That's what we want to talk about in Matthew chapter 4 today. And you're hopefully getting there. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. We're asking ourselves this question. Does pain always have purpose? It's, It's a challenging question and it's one of these universal questions that every one of us have to deal with and have to face. This idea of pain and suffering and it being present and allowed in this world is one of the major issues that people will talk about who don't believe in God. This reason, this idea, this discussion about pain and suffering and if God was real and if God loved us, why didn't he just wipe out all abuse, all evil and all pain from the world? And if pain and evil exists, then that loving God must not exist is a philosophical question that people have been wrestling Since the beginning of time, Jesus himself wrestled with this question. And we're going to go through this thought. But let me propose this challenge to you. There's one thing that's worse than pain. There's one thing that's more awful than suffering and then abuse. And it's meaningless pain. I I want to recommend a resource to you. And this recommended resource is called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. And in this resource, this is kind of a theological discussion about pain and about who God is and why pain is allowed in our life. And here's a a premise from that or an idea from that. The only thing worse than pain is meaningless pain. We don't want to go through suffering and we don't want to go through pain for no reason. There has to be a purpose to it. There has to be meaning behind it. As a matter of fact, you want there to be meaning behind suffering. You want God to have a reason for us traveling through the valley of the shadow of death. And God does have purpose and God does have meaning for us. And Jesus traveled through suffering. Jesus traveled through pain. And Jesus traveled through heartache too. And his pain and his travel can teach us and give us an example of how we can travel through pain and suffering now. I don't know what you're facing. Maybe like my friend, you're dealing with physical pain. Maybe you have chronic pain. Maybe you have physical hurt. Maybe you're dealing with disease. Maybe there's some emotional scarring and hurt. Maybe there's some discouragement, and dis- anger, depression, or frustration that you're going through. Maybe there's circumstantial pain, an inability to be able to pay the bills or provide for your family, a loss of job or a loss of work. Maybe there's relational trauma that you're going through, difficulties in your marriage or with other family members or friends. Whatever your pain is, whatever suffering you're facing, God has a purpose in it for you and for your good if you listen to His voice, if you recognize His presence, and if you follow His path. Let's unpack this together today as we move forward. And we're asking the question from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. Why life hurts. And life hurts sometimes. And let's talk about why. So let's read Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17 together. I'm going to go there in my Bible. If you have your journal, you can mark it up and take notes in that as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 says this Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he, Jesus, withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zeblon and Naphtali. I don't think I said either of those correctly. In verse 14, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. In the land of Zeblon, in the land of Naphtali, by way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, having seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them the light has now dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God, as we unpack what you are showing us, help us, God, to learn from this passage, why life hurts. In your precious name we pray, amen. So, why does life hurt? As you think about this passage, we're going to take a little bit of cues from the very first line, I want to cue you into what Jesus was traveling through, remind you where he had just come from and why this mattered as he moved forward in life. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, we read, Now when hearing that John had been arrested, he, Jesus, withdrew into Galilee. Remember, we have learned about John the Baptist in this chapter, in Matthew chapter 4. Actually, John the Baptist is an instrumental character in reintroducing us to Jesus. John the Baptist was used by God to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. John the Baptist declared to us that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. John the Baptist then baptized Jesus and we saw the presence of God, the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus, the Trinity, all in one in that moment. From that baptism, then through the wilderness, Jesus fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil and he came through that temptation. Jesus then began his ministry. And for a time, Jesus was reaching and preaching and and calling disciples at the same moment that John was reaching, preaching, and calling disciples on behalf of Jesus. They had a dual-track ministry going on in Jerusalem. The people would actually have to choose, you know, am I going to go see Jesus or or maybe am I going to go see John? And John was actively baptizing. John was actively uh, calling people to follow Christ at the same time that Jesus was. But this only happened for a period of several months to a year. In that time, John then was arrested by Herod. You know, there was such a stir among the Pharisees and among the leaders of this time against Jesus, against John, that they started actively figuring out how they could tear him down, how they could get rid of him. And so John was arrested and put in jail. Now John was not only the predecessor of Jesus, he wasn't only his partner in ministry, he was a family member. He was close to Jesus. They grew up in the same track. Both of their moms had angels visit them and tell them that these kids would be important. They were around the same age. So imagine they spent holidays together, field trips together, they had interacted, and then John had been uh, looking forward to Jesus' ministry and announcing it for years to come before Jesus stepped out in the public. So when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, this was no small thing. Imagine getting that phone call, that that you dread, that someone that you love is sick, that someone that you love has passed away, or that something horrible has happened. That's that's this moment for Jesus. He was going on with his day and someone brought him the news that John had been arrested, and Jesus, being God, knew what that meant. John would be in jail for a few months, possibly up to a year, and after that time, John, the Bible tells us in the book of John that he was then beheaded, he was executed. And Jesus knew that this was going to be what happened after John the Baptist was arrested. He knew that his friend was in for a terrible imprisonment, and that ultimately he would give his life because he was following and declaring Jesus. He would give his life for Jesus. In these moments, Jesus felt deep deep pain. He felt deep anguish and he felt deep sorrow. So, what does this mean and, and how do we respond to it? Well, the first question that comes up is why does God allow pain? Why does God allow pain in the first place if If God was real and if God loves us, wouldn't he just eliminate pain from our lives completely? More specifically, why does God allow pain and what are some of these purposes? Today, we're going to look at three purposes for pain. And purpose number one, right out of this passage, is in the presence of pain, pay attention to your heart. In the presence of pain, we need to pay attention to our hearts. Just before this announcement, John uh, Jesus realized that John was put in prison. Jesus had come from his temptation in the wilderness. And in that temptation, we learned that the devil attacks our flesh, our faith, and our feeling. That the devil comes after us and he tries to get us to fall in any way that he can. And so when pain comes into your life, that is a that is a prompt, that's a reminder that you are supposed to guard your heart. Proverbs tells us that wisdom says... Guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the springs of life. Your heart will enable you to deal with any trial, any temptation, any, any tragedy that comes your way. Out of your heart is your reaction. A famous uh, quote from Winston Churchill says, Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Well, how do we control our actions? We guard our hearts. And so this this temptation in the wilderness that Jesus went through, he learned this lesson that, hey, when pain comes, when trials come, I have to guard my heart. We learned last week, and I encourage you to go watch last week's uh, lesson if you haven't seen it, that our best defense against temptation is the sword. We need to know God's word. Jesus was involved in prayer and fasting leading up to this time. We need to be actively pursuing our relationship with God by prayer and fasting. We need to be doing those things that lift up our hearts, that grow ourselves spiritually so that we can be ready for these attacks when they come. And here's the warning that we said last week, and I adjusted slightly for this week's talk. The devil attacks when you are physically starving, emotionally isolated, or on a spiritual starting line. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He was starving. He was hungry. Jesus had been by himself in the wilderness. He was emotionally isolated. And Jesus was just getting ready to start his ministry, ultimately, where he would die and resurrect again from the dead. He was on the, a spiritual starting line. That's when Satan attacked. But we learned last week that Satan's temptations failed, that he, he couldn't defeat Jesus, he couldn't get him to fall. And so when Jesus heard that John was arrested, you can see this as a continuation of those temptations. The devil says, if I can't get you to fall, I'm going to attack somebody close to you. If I can't get you to fail, I'm going to distract you. I'm going to go after someone who might fail. And in this case, the devil found a willing participant in King Herod. He found a guy that that was self-serving and filled with pride anyway, who was of this world. And he used King Herod to go after John the Baptist. The devil attacks those around you when you are emotionally, uh, physically starving, emotionally isolated, and on a spiritual starting line. That's why when we pray, we wanna encourage you to pray not only for yourself, but for others. We wanna encourage you to pray for your family, for your church, for your community, and for that protection of God, for that spiritual battle that's taking place That you would pray over all these people knowing that God's going to come after you in times of spiritual distress, physical distress, or spiritual progress. Church, we've all been in a season of emotional isolation. We've all been a part of a cultural and a time traveling through this pandemic where we have been disconnected like never before. We are primed and ready for attack from the devil. He's ready to step in and discourage you. He's ready to, to cause frustration in your life and to build up stress. Excuse me. <coughs> I don't have COVID, I promise. He's ready to come in and, and, and cause you to, to worry and to be fearful and to distract you from what it is God wants you to do. But, but if not you, he wants to do that to your spouse. He wants to do that to your kids. He wants to do that to your pastor. He wants to do it to your small group leader. He wants to do it to your boss. You see, the devil is attacking all of us in this season to cause discouragement in our hearts and our minds. And church, we need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to serve one another. We need to be light and life in this world, realizing that we are all vulnerable to attack in this season just because of what we've been through. What we all need and we all use a little bit more of is, is grace. To have that ability to be a little bit more understanding, to be a little bit more patient, to be a little bit more kind with those around us who might not have that extra grace to give. This is a season where we're all under attack because we're all vulnerable. But let me also encourage you with this thought. Church, we are on a spiritual starting line. I couldn't be more excited about the rest of twenty one, two 2021. I couldn't be more excited about the opportunity that God has before us as not only Branch Life Church, but as a global church. If the entire world has been emotionally isolated, that means that the entire world is ready for community. The entire world is looking for answer. The entire world is looking for comfort, and we have the answer and the comfort that only God can give. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me get a little drink here. We have Jesus Christ to give to this world, and they're ready to hear about him in ways that that they may not have been ready to before. When you invite someone into a conversation about Jesus, when you give a little bit extra grace, when you show a little bit of extra love, that will go a long way. There's a story in the Bible about uh, the sower who plants his seeds. And the sower goes out and he plants his seeds And his seeds fall on different kinds of soil. There's there's the rocky soil. There's the hard soil. There's the soil that grows for a little while, but then is choked out. And then there's the soft soil. Kind of the moral of that story is one out of four soils is ready to receive the seed. Well, how does God soften soil? He softens soil by sending a storm. He softens soil by sending rain. And yes, even pain. And if God is softening soil, then as we sow our seed, we have a greater opportunity than ever to see that seed take root. Not only is that true for the global church, but that is so specifically true for Branch Life Church. Not only are we coming out of, God willing, this pandemic, and we're excited about worshiping together, about serving together, and about growing together, we're moving into a brand new season as a church This Easter Sunday, we are launching our Branch Life Church campus, our very first worship center. We're going to be offering three services, one at 8.30, one at 10 o'clock, and one at 11.30. And we're going to be offering our online service so that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. The building, the campus, is not the church, but the church now has a home base where we can launch out from, where we can be light and life in our community. And we're excited about starting this next chapter. We believe that God has provided this campus in this moment so that we can effectively be good neighbors to those around us. We can't wait to see how God is going to move in the months ahead. And so we're officially declaring the months of April through September as months of reconnection months of recall, we're asking you, Branch Life Church, to come back together when you're ready to worship in person, to join that small group, to be a part of that service team, to renew some connections, and to to battle the isolation that we've all been going through. We have uh, groups that are meeting outside. We have uh, uh, groups that are, are meeting in hybrid forms, online and in person. And we think that as the pandemic lessens, the opportunity for us to come back together, to serve together and to worship together is just gonna highlight those sweet moments. I remember the first time this past summer that we gathered in an outdoor service. It had been months since we had gathered together and we sang songs all in the same space. I was just brought to tears. I was surprised about how emotional I was because I had missed the connection. I had missed that corporate worship. We get to restart those things now. And so when it is safe, when it's ready for you and your family, if you're local here to Apostle Town area and Branch Life Church is your home, we can't wait to reconnect with you in some way, shape, or form. And we're gonna focus over these next few months on this reconnection time. And God willing, by September, by fall of 2021, we'll we'll be ready to have our community grand opening here at our campus. We'll be able to invite our neighbors, throw a party, have a huge celebration and begin this next chapter of outreach where we can then, because we're deeper in our connection to Christ, reach other people and help other people in the name of Jesus. We're on a spiritual starting line, but let's also take that as a warning. Satan does not want us to start. He doesn't want us to celebrate Easter successfully. He doesn't want this campus to be a lighthouse for Jesus Christ and his community. He doesn't want you involved in a group or serving on a team. And so he is going to attack you. And if he can't get to you, he's gonna attack someone you know. On one hand, being attacked by the devil means, all right, we're doing something well. We're doing something right. And he wants to stop it. But on the other hand, it can be a dangerous time. So guard your heart, guard your heart, practice those spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer, of fellowship with one another, of worshiping together, make those a priority so that when he comes and attacks your flesh, attacks your faith and attacks your feelings, you can resist those temptations. Pain is always an opportunity for us to guard our hearts. And so that is one of the purposes that God puts us through as a church and as individuals. So the Easter celebration leads us to a kind of a natural question. Why didn't God save Jesus? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, even one of the other criminals who was hanging on the cross said, hey, if you're Jesus, get down. Get down off the cross and save me while you're at it. If you're really God, if you're really the king of the world, you shouldn't have to suffer like this and you should have something to do about solving my suffering problem. This is not a new question that we've been facing. If God God was really God, why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to suffer on the cross? Why didn't Jesus just save John? I mean, his friend, his family member, his co-laborer in the faith had been arrested, is going to die. Why doesn't Jesus just use his power to end suffering in this world? These massive questions come to this. Uh, let Let me try to answer these questions as we go on in our next two purposes by reading this quote from Keller's book in Pain and Suffering. Some suffering is given in order to chastise and correct a person for wrong patterns of life. (coughs) Look at the example of Jonah and and the whale. Yeah, sometimes we do the wrong thing and therefore we have bad consequences and the purpose of our pain is to correct our bad behavior. Some suffering is not given to correct past wrongs but to prevent future ones. Look at the case of Joseph when he was sold into slavery. Joseph hadn't done anything wrong, but going through this pain meant that he was going to be in the right place to solve problems in the future. He was going to be in exactly where God wanted him and needed him, but he had to go through pain in order to get there. And yet some suffering really seems to have no purpose other than to lead us as persons to love God more ardently, for himself alone, and so then to discover the ultimate peace and freedom that God gives. Sometimes pain then just allows us to know and love God in a deeper way so that we can have a more solid uh, more solid face. You do not want pain to have no purpose. You want pain to have meaning. So here's the second purpose that we can look at from our passage today. Purpose number two, in the presence of pain, don't doubt the presence of God. In the presence of pain, don't doubt the presence of God. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I, God, will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my helper. You know, one of the things that can happen in the the presence of pain is that the pain becomes so loud that we can hear nothing else. And we can't hear God's still small voice saying, I love you. I'm here with you. Sometimes the the agony of the pain, the agony of the moment causes us to scream out and it overshadows the presence of of God and who he is. But nonetheless, God is always present with us. And the purpose for pain is often to point us to the presence of God. Remember my friend Mark who fell down and he broke his hip and he's, he's in a significant amount of pain. As I asked him the question, why do you think you're going through this pain. One of the things he said was, I now realize more than ever how much I am loved. You see, Mark has been blown away as a he's a pastor in Michigan. As people around him in his church and his community have come in and shown him love and poured out affection on him. As his friends, past and present, old college friends, getting in touch with him. Friends that had come and gone have all reached back into his life just to check in, sending a text, making a phone call, having that FaceTime conversation. And Mark said in these moments, he's been reminded about how much he is loved by by his friends, by his family. When we go through painful situations, those painful moments can remind us about how much we are loved by God. How much he cares for us and how much he walks with us through these painful things. In, in Psalm 23, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God walks with us through pain. You see, pain is a guarantee. Pain is going to happen. Suffering is going to be a part of our lives. And so many of us live lives uh, trying to avoid pain, trying to be comfortable. And pain comes in often as an interruption. But God uses pain as an as intersection of his love in this sinful and broken world. When you go through pain, often that purpose of pain in that moment is to allow you to see God clearer, to know his love more, and to feel his presence. Just this week, we were doing some renovations here in the church, and uh, one of our preschoolers, Nolan, was running around outside, and he was barefoot because it was a beautiful day, and they were playing and jumping around, and Nolan scuffed his big toe in the parking lot. And he came running over and his mom was inside working and I was outside kind of keeping an eye on all the kids. And he starts crying. He starts crying for his mom. And he's like, I need my mom. I need my mom. I looked down in his toe and it was just full of blood. Every time he took a step, he was leaving blood behind. Well, I didn't want that blood to get into the church. So I I go over to Nolan and I I pick him up and I say, buddy, buddy, you can't see your mom. We got to take care of your toe first. He goes, I just want my mom. I just want my mom. And so I I take him into the kitchen and I grab the paper towels and I squeeze his toe and I try to get the bleeding to stop. And he's just like, I want my mom. I'm like, dude, I'm fixing your toe for you. I'm taking care of it. I'm making you better. And he goes, I just want my mom. I just want my mom. And so we're trying to fix the trying to fix. It. So all of a sudden his mom comes in around the corner. And he looks at his mom and she comes over and she gives him a big hug and he melts into her into his arms and he just takes those last few breaths and he just exhales. All he needed in that moment of pain was the presence of his mom. Yeah, I was fixing it. Yeah, I was making it better and I was making sure that the bleeding would stop and he could be on the road to healing. But what he really needed was the presence of his mom. And when we go through pain, sometimes what we really need to realize, what we really need to recognize, is the presence of our God. Where we in the depth of those heartfelt aching moments can just be engulfed by the loving arms of our savior and we can just lean into him And breathe, breathe in the presence of God who is in control, who will fix this broken world, who has solved the problems that we are facing and who feels and understands what we are going through because he has gone through it. Don't let pain push you away from God. Allow pain to have a purpose of seeing and knowing and feeling the presence of God. And finally, in our passage today, we want to recognize pain's third purpose. Pain has the purpose. When, uh, purpose number three is simply this. The presence of pain points us to God's plan. The presence of pain points us to God's plan. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 14, if you're circling and underlining words, I want you to underline the words, so that. So that. You see, my friend Mark, who is now has rods and screws in his hip and down his leg, he is in a significant amount of pain. And the doctors have told him that there's some things that he can't do for a while. He can't put full weight on his left leg. He can only put toe weight on his left leg. Why? If he puts full weight on his leg, he's going to mess up the positioning of of the of the of the, of the screws and reverse the healing process. And so in order for his body to stay in the right position Anytime he gets a little bit out of position, there's going to be pain. That pain is good because it means that he's got to stop doing what he's doing. He's got to stop getting out of the correct position and he's got to get settled back in. So many times pain is used in our lives to correct our direction. We're going the wrong way. We're doing the wrong thing and the pain that has come in will stop us from doing the wrong thing. A lot of times a door may close in our lives. You might lose a job. A relationship might end. There may be a sudden uh, catastrophe and, and what you thought you were going to do for the rest of the year or the rest of your life is now no longer going to be what you're going to do. But in that, God is pointing out to you the path and the direction that he has for you. Look at the rest of Matthew chapter uh, 4, verses 12-17. through 17. Now when he heard, Jesus, that John had been arrested, pain, he withdrew into Galilee. So this caused Jesus to change direction, to change location. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in, in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Nephthite, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. This is the 10th time in four chapters in Matthew that prophecy is specifically fulfilled. Why did John have to be arrested and ultimately executed? Well, in those moments, it would mean a change of direction for Jesus himself. It would fulfill prophecy. And the later on in this passage, it would tell us that the gospel, the light of the gospel, is now going to be open, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. To the entire world where there was death and darkness there's now going to be light and life all of that was spurred on by pain that pain caused a change in direction pain often points us to the path that God wants us to be on when when the answer is no that means there's another opportunity around the corner this this is the main flow of the last section of Matthew chapter four. This is the main idea. If you walk away with anything, understand this, that pain often points you to the path that God has before you. See, we have been introduced to Jesus, reintroduced to Jesus, and you may have brought into this study some preconceived ideas of who you thought Jesus was. But let me remind you of what we've learned in this series and what's gonna launch us into our next study of Matthew In Matthew chapter 1, we learn that Jesus is the son of David. He's the king and that he is the son of Abraham. He's going to bring blessings to all nations. In Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is introduced to us as born of a virgin, which means he's sinless, which means he's the Messiah, which means he can be the savior of the world. And he is announced by the stars. He is over all creation. In chapter 3, he is is declared Lord and king of our lives and he is the son of God himself, a part of the Trinity. And and now in Matthew chapter four, he is God in flesh. He feels what you feel and what I feel. He understands what we go through. He was tempted in every way that we're tempted and he is prophecy fulfilled. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king of the world and the king of eternity. He is the one who wears the crown And so Jesus then begins his ministry with this proclamation, the same proclamation that John the Baptist says. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because of everything that we have learned about Jesus, because of all that he is, because of the prophecy that's been fulfilled, because of the journey that he has been on, because this is a broken world. We are asked to take off our crown, and to hand it over, to go from living life our way to living life God's way. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is within reach for you and I. So what do you do now that you have met Jesus? Now that you have been introduced to who Jesus is, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the light of the world, repent. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus is calling you to be a follower of his. He's calling you into the family of God. He's calling you into the life and the light and the hope that God can provide. Maybe you're going through some significant pain right now. And to you, that pain feels pointless. I want to introduce to you Jesus. Jesus who brings meaning to your pain. Jesus who brings purpose to your life. And I want to invite you into a personal relationship with him. Jesus wants to take that pain and point you to the path that you should be on. The path and the will that He has for your life, He is in control. He loves you and He is present with you in this moment, in this pain. Will you put your faith and trust in Him? If you have questions about what it means to be saved, you can go right now to the Gospel tab at branchlife.church. It's being linked in your chat center and you can find more about how to receive Jesus. But it's as simple as knowing that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and rose again from the dead and accepting the free gift of salvation, putting your trust in him. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And if you're a Christian, and if you're walking with God, don't let the pain and the trouble of this world get you down. Guard your heart, guard your guard your flesh, guard your faith, guard your feelings, and let's come together together To do what it is God has for us next. As he shows us the path that he has for us. As he directs our lives. We can come together as a church. As a community. And we can be better together as we pursue God's good. For our time. For our place. And for this generation. We want to trust in God together. We want to worship God together. We want to grow in God together. And deepen our faith in him. So that together we can reach our world. Starting next week, we begin this new chapter at Branch Life Church. And we want to invite you to join us as we celebrate Easter together. I want to challenge you to be in prayer for this Sunday from now until Easter, every day of this holy week. Will you pray? Will you pray for yourself, for your family, for our church, for our community? Will you pray for your one? And then will you join us this Easter Sunday in celebrating God, in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ? and being a part of what God is going to do in the future for for your good and for His glory. I hope that this Reintroducing Jesus series has been an encouragement to your spiritual walk, that it has deepened your faith. And if it has, can I encourage you to fill out your connection card? Would you let us know one way that this series has encouraged you, challenged you, uh, a question that it might have brought to your mind and your heart and your spirit? And if you're experiencing some pain or some heartache right now, you can share that with us and we will pray for you uh, during this next season. Hey, I can't wait to see what God does next and how you're going to be a part of it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we get ready to celebrate your resurrection, God, would you bring us back together as a church, as a family, as a community? And would you strengthen us so that in this next season, we can, buy, we can be used by you to be light and salt in our world. God, would you do great things through the family at Branch Life Church and through your church here and around the world. And God, whatever pain we're facing, whatever heartache we're feeling, we hand that to you. And we thank you, God, that there can be meaning in the pain. Though we may not see it, though we may not understand it, we trust you, Lord, that you're using it for our good in our lives. In your precious name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We do want to invite you to join us next week as we jump into our Easter series. And then the week after that, we're launching into Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it the good life. So join us in. Again, if you want to give, you can go to branchlife.church slash give and participate in worship through that anytime. And if this has been an encouragement to you, we, we would ask you to share it and spread the word online. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope to see you next time.